you are being watched. Sword and Laser has a secret system, a machine that spies on what you read every hour of every day. We know, because we built it. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser and pledge support to the machine. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Oh my gosh, Veronica, uh, we should disclose that this Mm. is being recorded a little earlier than it normally would, uh, because I'm going to be out of town uh, for a while. So if, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, that happened days ago, or this, wait, you just had an episode, that would be why. Yeah, I forgot. Are we going to release this at the end of this week? Or know. are we going to just release it tomorrow? <laughs> or what's going to happen? Well, I guess, I don't um, know. Should we just release it on Wednesday? Then it's a week since the last episode, so that's yeah, not too soon. I feel like I just worried I'm going to forget. We'll just have to tell, uh, tell, um, tell, um, James. why Jim. Jim, James, Jim. <laughs> well, we'll get to why I'm forgetting when we get into the what are we, what are we nomming uh, portion of this episode. <laughs> oh, um, Blame it on the, uh, <laughs> on the drink. Um, to not finish editing it until later in the week. So that way I get the notification and then I remember to do the whole stuff instead oh, of getting all good. the stuff yeah, ready and yeah. forgetting to like, then I put it on him and not right. me. Yeah. You know, he's like your alarm works? clock. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, don't put it on me. Mm. Don't, don't make, put the pressure on me. Don't put your It'll baggage on me, lady. We'll figure it out. All right. What do you nomin, Tom? Truffle mac and cheese. Oh, nice. Truffle oil. I mean, let's be clear. It's not really you like- You gave me truffle oil for Christmas one year. Did I? Yeah. Huh. Look at me. Like four, four little bottles of different uh, truffle, truffle oils. Oil? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like me. Sounds like something I might have done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be harder to send presents to now. Oh my gosh. Last year, I just, what did I try? I I didn't even try to send you anything. Oh my God. Complicated. And it took forever. You sent me a box of chips. You sent me chips of all different flavors. That was two years ago to your San Francisco address and they showed up all crumbled. Last year, it was just like candy or something. And you sent it it here? Did I receive it? No, because they were like, kept trying to deliver it. And you were trying to figure out like what stuff got delivered to your house and what stuff didn't. And then you had to go to the post office and find it. Eventually you got it, but it was long. I got it. Yeah. 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 So the thing is, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, I can't get, um, well, actually this is relevant because Gary Witta reached out and he wants to send me his new book. And he wants to also have some copies available for a giveaway for Sword and Laser. And he was like, should I send them to you or should I just send them out? And I was like, you should just send them out. <laughs> I was like, trust two. me. <laughs> so we'll figure out a fun way of, of giving those away. Um, in the you near could future. Have sent them to me down here at our PO box. That's I guess, true. But, That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So I have a PO box in Canada. Um, and I can only receive mail there from Canada post or USPS and then at my home address, I can only receive mail from like UPS or so um, FedEx. But then Perlator decided to, even though I gave them my home address, decided to 
drop it off at the post office in the middle of town, which isn't even my post office, who doesn't normally accept packages, but apparently they're just like the dumping ground for packages that Perlator doesn't know where to dump off. Uh So they just like gave up and just dropped it off there. But I found it and it was live plants and two of them were terribly damaged. I'm so sorry to hear that. So yeah, they'll live, they'll live, they'll find, life finds a way. Um, I'm drinking Prosecco. How much? <laughs> I've had two pretty beefy glasses. Oh, we were celebrating bad. our year anniversary of being in Canada. Yeah. So I had some. Congrats. Nice bottle of Prosecco that my Canadian friend gave me. Um, a local delicacy. Wow. Prosecco. Has it really been a year? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I thought you were going to make a joke about Prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> it's not from Canada. Um, it's actually illegal in British Columbia. Prosecco is illegal in British Columbia. Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't realize that. So many things mm-hmm. are. Yeah, it's just, gosh, it's so much. Wow, surprising number of folks in the chat room tonight, by the way, Monday's for being on Monday night. night. Huh? Yeah. Wow, amazing. Um, so hello, everybody in the live chat. Um, yeah, normally we do do uh, a live streaming of the episodes in our Discord channel. Um, if you want to find information on how to join up, you can do that at our website at swordandlaser.com. All right, let us jump into the quick burns. Got to post. First of all, we thought, oh, since we're recording so soon after the last episode, we probably won't have a lot of quick burns. But y'all stepped up. Thank you very much. Francis X kicks us off uh, with a note about a collection of Terry Pratchett stories called A Stroke of the Pen, Lost the Lost Stories, uh, coming out October 5th, 2023. And they say this collection will be the final ever new writing to be published by Terry Pratchett. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. Stroke of the pen, the lost stories. Yeah. So we, we might get further Terry Pratchett reissues or new collections mm-hmm. or things like that. But uh, at least from what they're saying, until they discover more undiscovered writings or something, uh, this is this is all they know about. So. I think we did mention this in a previous episode um, because I think the interesting thing that a number of them were written under Pratchett's pseudonym, uh, oh, right. Patrick Kearns. I do yeah, and I think we we did mention that. So these were a lot of them were written during the 1970s and 1980s. Um, so many were not even attributed to uh, Terry Pratchett until much later. Um, so I think that's kind of fun because even even Pratchett fans who are pretty familiar with his work may not have read may these not. before or be familiar with them. So that's that's super cool. And that date again is October 5th. Be on the lookout for A Stroke of the Pen, The Lost Stories. And for dragon fans out there, oh, I skipped one. We'll come back to that. There's another yawnism. Uh, Tom, you can read the next yawn one. I'll, I'll do this first yawn one. Yawn yes. says, Ars Technica has a, has a new article on the strange secretive world of North Korean science fiction. This is fascinating. Uh, it says, unusual and often ha- breathtaking, the genre is relatively unknown in the West. Well, I think you can probably imagine why. Um, so this is, uh, it talks about some stories like uh, one that is blurbed here, um, uh, change course, and it speaks about solid solidarity, peace, and love for the motherland, displaying an intricate relationship between literature and politics. Uh, first published in 20, uh, 2004, rather, um, in a magazine, it was only uh, to be reprinted 13 years later around the time North Korea claimed it was capable of launching attacks on U.S. soil. So relevant to the political discourse of the time. Yeah. Um, 
it's a long read. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not mm-hmm. read it all uh, because I just saw this today. Uh, but fascinating, fascinating stuff. Thank you, Jan, for sending that along. Yeah, this is says um, uh, there's a quote from a young math graduate uh, who defected from North Korea a few years ago named uh, Yang Hyuk, who says uh, these stories are often rich in political tension featuring, quote, breathtaking confrontations between North America and the United States. As in Change Course, North Koreans in sci-fi are typically portrayed as trying to save somebody, while the Americans are the villains who want to monopolize and weaponize technology to dominate the world, he added. Yeah, makes sense. That tracks. That tracks. From a North Korean perspective, if you want to get published, that tracks. (laughs) That tracks. Okay, now talk about dragons. Tor.com has a long article on the history of dragons in Western literature that might be of interest to Sword and Laser listeners. So if you want to know the history of dragons from Jormungandr to Temeraire, head over to Tor.com. Also from Jan, as we mentioned. Um, Yeah, so a who's who of major dragons from this first era, uh, which is the origins in mythology. So Jormungandr, as you mentioned, Typhon or Typhoon, uh, commonly called the father of all monsters in Greek mythology, must be typhoon, right? That's not how that's spelled. Typhon? Am I reading that Tiffin? wrong? Tiffin? Uh, had a hundred dragon Tippy. heads sprouting from his shoulders, which must have been inconvenient in social situations. Um, <laughs> then there is Ladin, who is a dragon who guarded the golden apples in the garden of Hesperides. 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 I got it. Defeated by Hercules. And Tiamat, uh, the primordial dragon goddess of the cosmos in Babylonian legend, uh, her death enables the Earth's creation. Then they get into the Middle Ages. I know about Tiamat's wrath. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. Uh, We get into the shadow of Tolkien, which is the early 1900s. A lot of great dragons here. Um, Let's see. We've got women and the rehabilitation of the dragon in 1950s to 1990. I'm guessing there's going to be some, yep, pern. Yep. I was like, there's going to be some pern Has to be, thrown right? about in there. Yeah. Yep. That is kind of the, 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 the cornerstone of that period for dragons. And then dragons in uh, modern fantasy fiction, of course, including Temeraire, Drogon, uh, Safria, and that's from Aragon, Toothless, of course, from How to Train Your Dragon. And, ooh, don't know how to pronounce this one. This is from The Witcher. Um, okay, it's one of the golden dragons. Don't know if I've ever had to say this out loud. Villain Trettenmirth. Yeah, just Mirth. like it sounds. Villain Trettenmirth. <laughs> just like Trettenmirth. it's spelled. Just like it's spelled. Please call me go. villain. I'm doing my best here. Just doing my best. No, good job. Thanks. Kevin says, I'm halfway through Babel by R.F. Kuang, and it is amazing. This led me to learn more about Ms. Kwong and found this little blurb for her upcoming book, Catabasis, on Wikipedia. Uh, Kwong reported that while working on her doctoral degree at Yale, she is also working on her sixth novel, Cheese, a fantasy about two magical PhD students as they travel to hell to, quote, rescue the soul of their advisors so that they can write their job recommendation letters. Amazing. In an interview with The Guardian, Kwong calls the project nonsense literature. Cannot wait, Kevin says. Oh, so this is just her her, um, diary. (laughs) <laughs> weirdly, weirdly reflective, uh, reminiscent actually of, of, uh, the sequel to our current pick in many ways. Definitely. Definitely that too. Mm. Yep. And then Mark says, uh, sorry, you wanted me to read the next ones, right? 
You said the next two. I don't know. I'm all, we stopped alternating and now I don't know. There are no more rules. It's anarchy. Go ahead. No rules. Mark <laughs> says, first year, year uh, Yale students warned about dark academia on arrival. Yale students get a terrifying message from the campus police. There was anger after the campus police union, which is renegotiating a contract, shared a safety flyer with a picture of the Grim Reaper on it. Yeah, so this this is really just uh, a story about uh, using scare tactics to try to win people over to your side of an argument. But because mm-hmm. it's got the Grim Reaper on it, which is not really what the text is about, uh, Mark thought it was interesting that like, except maybe there is a Grim Reaper, as those of us who've read Lee Bardugo know. <laughs> Okay, that yeah, I, I'm gonna have to read this article. I, I don't have a lot of backstory on that. The article is just just the article is going to be a very simple like there's a dispute between the union uh, and and the management, and this flyer is telling people like be careful out there because they're trying to whip up public sentiment to their side. But I see. the point for us as Sword and Laser is there's a picture of a Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, thank you to everybody who submitted stories, especially in these lean times of only like three days between, uh, between episodes. So I appreciate you. Let's move on to bear your sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Jan, uh, wanted to say he was sorry that your bramble was too sweet. The, uh, the bramble cocktail that you made, Veronica. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, did clarify it's not a chat GPT recipe. It's his own spin on the classic Mm -hmm. bramble. Uh, But he says, I don't know, maybe my blackberries are tartar than normal, or maybe I'm just very, very sweet. Oh, that's probably what it is, Jan. Uh, Anyway, he says, I think you could try it without simple syrup if it's too sweet for you. So I made a lot of simple syrup, so now I have it. So I'm definitely going to use it. But I actually liked the addition of the sparkling soda because I feel like it... It gave, it made it last longer for one, and it mm. just like I felt hydrated as well. Yeah. So yeah. it was very it's nice. Good, good for your body. It gave it a nice sparkle. Totally, yeah. I like it. Tazzy Dave says, "Sword and Laser is almost sixteen years old, not fifteen, as previously reported in a in a in a recent episode." Uh, he says, "I doubt you can get it in there, but the best fish is blue eye trevala with barramundi a close second, trricrote." <laughs> are these all supposed to be, these are not all fish these related. These are Tassie so Dave to... commentaries. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then Trike wrote, Good Omen Season 2 is better than Season 1. I am unanimous in this because it's 90% focused on Crowley and Aziraphale. Tassie Dave says, I agree. It is called out by the coffee shop owner that they are like an old married couple. They are a delight in their scenes together. Too much ham, though. He is well named. I'm not a fan of his hammy acting style. I know I'm in the minority. Okay. So I, I agree with you on Ham. I feel like I liked him, but I feel like Jim as a character was just, and that was kind of the point. But even when he went back to being Gabriel, like he was still pretty over the top. And I guess that's kind of how that character is meant to be. But it was a little bit too ham-fisted. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. I don't feel like... John Ham is always hammy. I do feel like Jim is a role that they directed him to be hammy in. So yes. I totally yeah. get what you're talking about. But when I think of John Ham and Mad Men, I do not think hammy. At no, all. I, mean, I don't either. I don't either. He was, a, he was a little hammy in 30 Rock, but I think that was also, I feel like maybe in his comedy roles, he gets a little more hammy. Yeah. And 
I don't know that that isn't because that's what they want from him. So, yeah. And that, that, yeah. that doesn't actually contradict anything Tassie Dave's saying. He still doesn't like it. Right. Uh, I was just thinking about that. Cause I'm like, Oh wow. I never think of John Hamm as hammy, but he definitely hammy as Jim. Um, I don't know. I'm fine with Jim, but I get what there might be. A, you could have a little less Jim. It'd be all right. I so, could have done with a little less Jim. Yeah. But it's not the um, end of the world. I mean, I still yet. think season one was That's better. Not season three. <laughs> yeah. Still think season one was better series one. Um, but I, I did really enjoy the scenes. I cried in the last episode. There was crying. There were tears. I definitely I had, had feels. Yet. Yeah. I had, I had, you haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched the final episode yet. We're oh. watching them one week at a time for cord killers. So oh. we've been, we've been doling them out. I just, we just finished discussing episode five today, Monday. So now I am free to watch the finale. Got it. All right. All right. Well, maybe you can watch that in your 35 hour, in your, yeah, yeah, your 35 in hour the, flight in tomorrow. In the 16 weeks that I'm taking to fly to Korea. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. So this is a really wonderful one. I'm going to read this to you. Um, hi, Veronica. Yours is the email I have, but if you could pass along a message to Tom, if he ever wants to get together and talk K-pop, I am so down. It's totally my secondary geekdom these days, and no one ever wants to talk second or third gen with me. Excited to learn about your Canadian relocation. Hope it's going okay up there. All the best, Gail Carragher. Oh my Aww. gosh, I'm so exciting. Uh, thank you, Gail. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I am much more well-versed on third gen than second gen. Uh, but excited to to learn to learn more. Uh, well, that's and, what you got to do. You got to yeah, share exactly. share notes, <laughs> exactly. share interests. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I have a lot of fourth, and I think we're even in the fifth gen. Like we're just starting to be in the fifth gen of K-pop. Anyway, uh, what I fifth gen? Yeah, we're only in the third gen of coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, the gens are speeding up here at the end. <laughs> Yeah. Are we still in third third wave ska? Or is are there, we in like, fourth we wave on? ska yet? That is a for, very is there a good fourth question. Wave of ska? Yeah. Are we are we still at the tail end of the third wave, or have we begun a fourth wave? Someone needs to answer this. I don't know if there has been a new ska. Yeah, maybe there's not enough wave yet. I would right, like a well, fourth I'm, wave of ska. I like all the waves of ska. I'm a big ska fan as well. I yeah. Are you? Hmm? I didn't know that. Yeah, less than Jake. <laughs> I dated a um I dated a trumpet player in a ska band. Real in high big school. fish. Stretford. <laughs> Stretford was an okay. Austin ska band. Oh yeah? I don't 90s. know them. Yeah. They're not very well known. They were not not very widespread. We used to go see Mighty Mighty Boston's quite oh, a bit. In Boston, Mighty Mighty Boston's are was, so good. I saw them once in Austin. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. All right. And then uh Tom, I'll I'll read this last one. Uh Tom Veronica, I'm probably the hundredth to mention this. But the lack of mahi-mahi on non-Hawaiian menus might also be influenced by confusion over the name. When I was growing up, I think mahi-mahi was nearly always listed on Bahamian and Floridian menus as dolphin or sometimes dolphin fish. More recently, there has been a shift to calling it by its Hawaiian name, mahi-mahi, to avoid confusion with the marine mammals and to make it sound more exotic for the tourists. Wikipedia suggests that it's sometimes called Dorado, although that name is shared with another golden fish. As its range includes the Atlantic and Mediterranean, I don't think there's any particular reason it would be listed as mahi-mahi by restaurants with English menus, unless that restaurant has ties to Hawaii or is going out of their way to avoid conjuring thoughts of flipper. <laughs> Thanks for so many wonderful episodes over the years. I hope there's many more to come. Best regards, Alan. That's Alan, cool. I do remember seeing dolphin fish on menus, even in Hawaii. Uh, I, just, I do as well. Ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I have not seen dolphin fish on a menu in maybe 20 years. So I feel mm. like, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody, whether they have a connection to Hawaii or not, has borrowed the Mahi Mahi name. I have seen Dorado, but now I don't know if I was seeing Mahi Mahi called Dorado or the other Dorado that, that Alan's referencing. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's rare on the menus, like we said, uh, but I had forgotten all about the dolphin fish name till you brought that up. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, thank you, cool thank you for fact. that background. Yeah. It's not actual dolphin either. Mahi Mahi. It's just a name. And that's why they stopped using the name. Cause people were like, what you're eating dolphin. Like, They're like, oh. no, not really. It's just a fish that looks like a dolphin, except not really also. So I don't know why they ever called it dolphin. Yeah. Fish. People, people have strong aversions to, to eating cute animals. Yeah. Um, 10 as it turns out. Um, okay. So we are going to do, uh, it is the end of the month. So we're going to do a kickoff of Tom's pick. And then we're going to do a wrap up of ninth house by Lee Bardugo. Uh, the kickoff will be non-spoilery. The wrap up will be very spoilery. Um, so now is your chance (laughs) or pay attention after the kickoff. And if you haven't finished reading ninth house, then you will want to pause until you have done so. I mean, there's not that much to add to what we said last episode. Uh, the September pick is China mountain Zhang by Maureen F. McHugh. Um, as I mentioned last time, this one seems to be really hard to find in libraries for whatever reason, but we made the decision to go ahead and pick it to maybe encourage it to be stocked in libraries. So Katie had a great thought. Uh, don't forget to place requests with your library. Don't just look and oh, see if they don't yeah. have it and say like, well, that's it. If your library doesn't have it, most will have a form on the website. Sometimes in Libby, they use the tag notify me as a request. Or if you go into your library, just talk to your librarian. They'll often add a book to the collection if it seems like there is enough interest. Um, I have started reading this one and I'm fascinated with it. Really? It is in small slices dated. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just some of the assumptions about what the future might be like are like, well, I probably felt that way in the 90s, but not, you know, not really what it's like socially. Then again, part of me wonders like, oh, but if China did become dominant and the U.S. had a socialist revolution and was China aligned, maybe it would go back to being that way somehow. So Mm. again, the main Mm -hmm. character is gay. So a lot of what I'm talking about here is how that lifestyle is, is treated and, and, and how, how he has to behave in the society. But a lot of the stuff about what it would be like to live in a socialist society, if it was more worldwide, uh, it's not utopian, but it's not dystopian. It's, as you say, in as I said in the uh, the kickoff on the Patreon, it's in the gaps. It's so it's, it's really interesting. Sweet, I'm excited to start it. Um, I'm I'm still in the thick of Hellbent right now, which is the second book after after Ninth House. Um, so I hope to finish that in the next day or two. It's been I'm a a uh, a prisoner to my own trying to read uh, right before bed situation, which has not been going great for me, even though the book is quite exciting. Um, so yeah. And I've just been burning through audiobooks. man, me and a coworker of mine, like we've just been trading titles and just like going back and forth and it's all 
So great. you're not doing Lee Bardugo's sequel as an audiobook. I didn't do either of them as audiobook, no. And you can't do Maureen McHugh as an audiobook. You ha- right. It's only available in print. Or at so least I can't parallel I read, yeah. Audiobook of it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's a little bit of a problem, but it's fine. I'll I'll figure it out. I'll find the time. I'll make it work, as Tim Gunn would say. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, unless you have anything else to add, let's wrap up Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Spoiler alert. This is our last warning. Last warning. Okay, let's go. Awooga. Awooga. Right. Um, there weren't a ton of new comments over on Goodreads, so I actually turned to Discord just to get a few final thoughts on the end of the book um, from some of our Discord members, and I thought it would open up a, a good uh, line of discussion. Um, but Tom, what were like first last thoughts? What did you what did you think of the book? I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it is a it's very very heavy on setting, uh, mm-hmm. and and if you if you like world building and setting. Uh, I know a lot of it's based on on reality, honestly, and the and the city of New Haven and Yale and all of that. But I thought she did a great job of creating a world that blended the reality into the invented reality. I was fascinated with the secret societies and the way magic worked and and all of that. Um, I I understand where the characters might not be your favorite, but I thought they felt real. Um, uh, certainly because I live in Los Angeles, the, the flashbacks where she is, you know, talking about, uh, taking the bus down to Westwood and then getting stranded mm, there. You and mentioned having to, that. Yeah. I was like, man, how is she possibly going to get back? Um, that stuff all felt real. <laughs> and this, this, this felt like a real person with, with real struggles and there were stakes. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the world. I enjoyed uh, steeping in it. And I thought the characters were were good. Uh, not good as in like good and evil good, but yeah. like, like well-developed. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite entertaining and enjoyed it. I seem to be in the minority though. No, I don't think so. I think honestly, like maybe I just picked a disproportionate number of people who were kind of meh about it in Discord. Um, but I got the vibe overall that most people most folks did enjoy the book or at least liked it more than previous recent picks, um, which is good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there was some difficult kind of like, like sexual situations in the story. Like Alex definitely had a hard time. You know, she was in a, a really bad place as a youth, um, did not, even though she loved her mother very much, they had a very difficult relationship because she wasn't didn't give her, I think, the the boundaries and support that she probably needed to be successful. Though that's real easy to say as a person who is not in that situation. You know, um, I think you can say that about a lot of parents. Unreliable who, narrator. We're only yeah, getting Alex's yeah. viewpoint, right? Yeah. Extremely unreliable narrator. Um, so I, I definitely respect that it was, you know, a difficult situation probably for both of them. Um Darlington also, I did not find especially likable almost until kind of like more in the flashbacks later in the book. Um, but initially I was like, oh, this guy's kind of a prick. Like I, I, I didn't warm up to him until much later. And, and now in Hellbent, it's only, even a little bit more difficult. Uh, I'm very curious to see how the like learning more about him and Dawes's relationship, because I think, you know, Dawes clearly being very, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think it's romantically in love with him and it's unclear whether Alex also feels romantically in love with him. I think she has a, as an attraction to him in many ways as like a mentor 
and as someone who has kind of tapped into this world in a way that she's very drawn to and wants to learn from. And that's something that I actually really like about Alex, because I feel like a lot of characters like this in these kinds of books often push back against people who are trying to help them. And I feel like in this case, Alex was actually very, she really wanted, she wanted to do well. Like she understood the stakes. Like she knew that this was her chance to break out of her previous life. And so it seemed very important for her to, to work as hard as she could on this and also work on her schoolwork and get tutors and study. And even if she didn't, well, didn't feel like she was good at it, like try her best to like yeah, stay. Take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. To like, to like figure out how to make it work. And I really respected that about her because I think that character could have been very pigeonholed into, I don't have to do any of this. Like I'm just, you know, I'm, I've got these magical powers and I don't need you and I don't need anybody. Mm. And there was maybe like a hint of that, but I felt like she was fighting it. Like, I think she recognized that about her own kind of proclivities and was like being like, no, you can't mess this up. Like, this is your chance to 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 do something with yourself. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, would like to know more about Dawes. I feel like in this book, she doesn't get a ton of screen time per se, um, but I think she's a super interesting character, obviously extremely capable, knowledgeable, and just has a lot of kind of self, you know, problems with her own confidence and understanding her own abilities and importance in, in the world. Um, and maybe that'll change in the next book. Well, I think that's to Bardugo's credit that you, that Mm. you are not the only one who feels that way about Dawes. This is a secondary character that she wrote so well that people feel cheated, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. Like that's what's a, lurking behind that's the, the oversized you, sweaters. Yeah. yeah. When you've made that character so compelling, uh, that people are like, you didn't give me enough. That that's good. I think if you're an author, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, but I, I overall, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the, the, the 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 comparison between having power in magic and having power in status and society and generational wealth and all of these things that these that many of these kids in these societies already had was a really interesting comparison um, that I thought served her really well in this novel. Yeah, I'd forgotten about her her the the relationship with her mother till you mentioned it just now, but mm, that is probably mm-hmm. one of the most realistically written elements of this story. Um, because her mother isn't obviously a bad mother, right? It's not the cold mother that we had in, in, uh, fourth wing. Um, it's, it's a, it's a caring mother, maybe a little self-absorbed. We can't quite tell. And the, and the adversarial relationship with Alex is so real. Uh, so many parts of that, that just, just felt like not the obvious, not the, not the shallow, uh, I thought that was really well-written and and very believable. Totally, totally. Um, interestingly, too, a, a lot of the uh, Discord members right now are saying that the, the, the one big kind of like unknown that we're facing right now with Alex's life is her patrilineal heritage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like where, you know, we, we know that her, her grandmother had some sort of ability potentially. Um, but was there, was there even more on her, on her father's side? Yeah. And, and what is was that, that why all about? She has unusual powers maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what is the combination of these is two magic human? lines? 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. Is he a ghost? Oh, is he a spooky he a ghost? What? A spooky ghost. <laughs> you can have sex with them sometimes. Well, remember, <laughs> I mean, I not, not to stray into trigger warning territory, but, you know, if, if what was <laughs> involuntarily almost happened, theoretically, it could also be voluntary. What? Well, she she runs into the gray that attacks her, remember? And she, she runs feels into the she, gray that attacks the her. The gray like can grab her and force her. That's so true. Is it possible that it wouldn't have to be non-consensual? Was that a, that that was not a gray. That was a that was a uh, that had a different name. That was more like a golem. Right? Uh, it had a different name. It but, was not a gray. But no yeah. one else saw it. No one else saw it. It still had that like, no, Coyote, it wasn't a gray. I it, thought was, it was a gray. It wasn't a gray uh, in the convenience store. It wasn't a gray. No, in the bathroom on the school trip. Bathroom. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And how come only you're right? I take that back. I forgot about that scene. Yeah, that was well, brutal. I understand why, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the convenience store scene. Um, that's interesting because that doesn't really happen again to her, does it? Like no. like being touched by a gray again? I wonder why it happened then. Was it because there was maybe because blood? I thought, I thought we like got close to it happening thing? again, or maybe it's just the golem she thought it was happening again. I mean, but oh, that's then a good it question. Yeah. yeah, I wonder I wonder if it was something, because she was on her, that was her first period. And so I'm wondering if there was some kind of like, like blood thing happening. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm just yeah, speculating. Right, right. I, I don't no, think that was covered in the story at all. Right. But like, why would the veil be so thin that she'd mm-hmm. be able to be touched when usually grays can pass right through her? You yeah. know? Anyway, there's mm, something mm-hmm. there that could inform the character of the dad possibly, or it could just be a yeah. human with a weird yeah. lineage. But mom true, is true. real weird about talking about the dad. Yeah, very... Like and she's she does have, she is kind of stuff. into like the supernatural and yep. she's kind of into like the metaphysical yep. world. And like, so maybe there is like a seance gone weird book or three, I'm guessing <laughs> gotta be. Yeah. Unless it's something they allude to at the end of book two. I haven't obviously gotten there. I'm only about halfway through. Um, yeah. Coyote, Coyote says, there's says an in-universe there was... explanation. Yeah. For Grays, sometimes being able to interact with people. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to dig into that a little bit. Cause I'd be curious to, to know how that pans out. Um, okay. Let's get into some of the feedback from folks. Nightstorm says, I finished this a few days ago and I have to admit that I skimmed many of the middle chapters with lengthy explanations and focus mainly on the dialogue and murder investigation. This book was a mixed bag for me. There were some very memorable and evocative scenes, but I also felt they were hit or miss. I wasn't a huge fan of Alex as a calendar, as a character, as a calendar. Either uh, one. <laughs> uh, I know a big point of the book was her rough edges and headstrong actions, but it got a bit stomach training at times. I would have loved to see more of Dawes. I also thought the setting and plot used many familiar tropes, but maybe I read too much fantasy. Overall, maybe average score. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it but there are several scenes that will stick with me for better or for worse. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, totally. I always get a little allergic to people saying familiar tropes. That's what tropes are. Uh, they're either well done or they're not well done in, in my opinion. So maybe you just didn't think they were as well done. I don't know. 
Uh, Tassie yeah. Dave said, I loved this book four stars. Alex is a great kick-ass character, multi-layered and more complex than she seems at first. I went straight into hell bent. <laughs> nice. I read all the, I gave myself all the, the middling comments. Uh, Pat says, I didn't dislike this book, but I didn't love it either. Hmm. I enjoyed the flashbacks and character development, but couldn't find myself all that invested in the mystery. Oh. The ending felt kind of predictable. Mm, I disagree. I agree that I would like to see more Dawes, and I would enjoy seeing Alex and Darlington actually working together once she rescues him, but maybe not enough to read the sequel. Okay. Uh, Pilchi said, I like that the answer to the whodunit was everyone. Everyone. (laughs) Also, it was clear early on that Bell Bomb was way too sus to not be involved somehow. She was like Chekhov's teacher. Yeah, right. She was like, like, why is she in this book? You didn't quite know who she was going to shoot, but- she was going to go off at some point. She yeah. was there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, I, I, but that's I guess I didn't pay enough attention to her to like think that she was involved. Like the, the unveiling that she was actually the, the bridegroom's like former fiance. That was not where I was going. I, I knew she was, was something, but that's not what I predicted. That was pretty like, and she was the cause of all like like the epicenter of all like the the loci yeah, yeah. of magic, you know, like that was that was pretty cool. Like I thought I thought that I thought that was pretty surprising personally, but that's just me. Maybe I wasn't reading into things enough. Well, Jason, Jason B, B says, agree, agrees yeah. with you. Yeah, go ahead. He says, I enjoyed this pick and the ending was kind of obvious. Oh, I was already betting that Bellbomb was involved. I just didn't realize how she was involved and that none of the characters knew she was from the very beginning because she yeah. really covered her tracks. Yeah, she was good. Like, she was good at it. She was good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So so you did it. You said it was obvious, but then you didn't realize how she was involved. So it wasn't that obvious. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. John Taloni said, apparently I'm the only one who didn't think the ending was obvious. No, I'm with you. I'm with no, you, John. I'm with you, John. Uh, for my money, the author stuck the landing like a gold medal winning Olympic gymnast. Maybe it was the air of easy condescension from Bellbomb, offering up a job and tutoring, then inviting Alex to a party, of course, to work because Alex knows her place, right? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I thought, oh, Bellbomb wants to manipulate Alex for some reason, Somehow, but I thought it was going to yeah. be tied into the secret societies more. Or like she knew what her power was somehow. I wanted and to use like, it or I, I siphon may- it or something. Yeah, 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 I did maybe wonder if she was like aware of it and wanted to mm-hmm. like, yeah, figure, yeah, figure out how to use too. her somehow. Yeah. But not in a way that she was like, murdering everybody. Yeah, not that she was actually a hundred year old dead person. <laughs> totally. And then Ian says, this book isn't dark academia. It is noir mystical academia. If it was dark academia, Dawes would be the main character and we would spend more time on research and with academics. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> I just like the idea that there's noir mystical academia. Like we're getting real niche over here. Yeah, real for niche. Sure. Super fun. Uh, well, this was a fun discussion though. Yeah, Thank it was. You, it was a fun book. It was a good pick. Thank you for picking that. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm enjoying the the series. And uh I am I like being this was my entry into the world of Lee Bardugo, and I have a I have a the sense that I'll probably be sticking around for a while. So you'll Bardugo farther. <sighs> yes. Yes, Tom. <laughs> Yes, Tom. Uh, Jim, Jim, leave in all those seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
thank you everyone for listening and thank you for making this a really fully fleshed out show for, yeah. for being so close to the previous episode. I appreciate y'all. Okay. Um, you're kind of the best. And our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Uh, we are on Instagram and threads at swordandlaser and various other social networks that you may already be on or not on. Um, on books to Don. Books to Don. you got to add that to the template so yeah, I say I'll it do that in the now. show. Do, good, do good it point. now so you, while you remember. And of course, all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser or on Discord. We will see you not for a f- several weeks because Tom's going to be in Korea, um, but we'll be back before you know it. See you then. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.